through the hourglass. Today is the longest day of my life. Welcome back to The Longest Days of Our Lives, a 24 fan cast. I am one of your hosts, Jack Bauer superfan Mike Cushing. And I am another one of your hosts, 24 newbie Curtis Perry. And I am your third and final host, Michael Howard. And you are both in my seat. No, Michael, it's it's, it's my seat. You can go bitch me out, it's, son. It's, okay, that's fine, also my seat. I'll go, fine, I'll go stand over in the corner. You're also in my corner. Damn it, we're going to sit. Nowhere. Aww. I would have already shanked you. <laughs> well, you gotta, you gotta Michael playing the role of Melanie, the anti-cam. That will come up momentarily. Um, so, real quick, at the end of the last episode, we learned that David Palmer's quest to put his son in jail has resulted in a sweep of the Super Tuesday <laughs> state primaries, and he appears yep, to sure. be the presumptive Democratic nominee for president. Yep. Uh, Kim Bauer is in the pokey for the dumbest drug deal of all time. Terry is on her way back to CTU with... Uh, Tony Almeida and Jack is in an underground DOD prison and uh, commandos have just stormed in to rester- rescue Victor Drazen, the Serbian warlord that Jack believed he had killed two years ago. Did I miss anything? Nope. No, you got it. I think we're good. Right. Nailed it. Is, it is 8 p.m. and we open with the Palmers, David and Sherry, watching the news as the polls have closed in California and everything is looking really good for David. The news tells us that he somehow got a boost from his press conference admitting uh, that all of his financial backers were uh, committing treason, essentially, uh, and blackmailing him. Which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because he made he made the speech at what, 6 p.m. California yeah. time, 6.30 p.m.? Correct. Like, all of the polls outside of the West Coast were closed. Yeah. 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 And yeah. presumably, like, pretty much 90% of people had voted uh-huh. already in, uh-huh. in even the West Coast. Oh, they all ran out, got in line. And they managed really like to this. vote within an hour because uh, the polls didn't stay late, right? They they called it all. It was all called by 8 p.m. California time. So There is the news saying later that, like, they had 80% turnout. Dude, okay, by the way, we're going to get to that because I, <laughs> I I looked that up, by the way. Also, they doubled down. We'll get to it. Um, <laughs> that's one of two really dumb statistics that uh, the news spouts in this one. Um, so anyway, so... Uh, I feel like if the, all of the news for this episode was written by someone who's never even heard of an election before yeah there, there's some funny stuff about that oh god yeah let's get we'll get to that let's get to it in a second so we cut to the jail where they are bringing melanie the anti-kim into the holding cell with kim uh she looks immediately like she's about to start some shit um we see a real multi-ethnic cast of characters in this holding cell. Uh, it's basically orange is the new black up in here. Mm-hmm. And uh, Melanie immediately starts some shit and tells – she walks over to Kim who's sitting down and says, uh, that's my seat. Yeah. 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 we got Kim versus anti-Kim, the kim in here. Um, and yeah, she's she's testing her in front of everybody right mm-hmm. off the bat, calling, you know, that's my seat. And Kim, does Kim have that Bauer killer instinct? She gets up and moves to a new seat. The but what – I, I almost fuck. think it's – I almost think it was it was even better because it was like so dismissive. She didn't even like answer her. She just got up. Like I don't I don't have time for your shit right now, anti Kim. But then she got up again and moved to, to stand over next to a like dancing junkie and like <laughs> then just kind of like stared out of the cell. Like I don't know. We see Kim get some fire in her belly later, but right now she's she's not really yeah. standing up for herself. So, so Michael, I'll give you give you guys a little story in the past. Um, when I was in eighth grade, I moved to uh, a new school and I got on the school bus uh, coming home from school that day. And a kid looked at me and said, you're in my seat. And I looked up at him 
And I looked down at the seat I was sitting in. I looked back at him and I said, nah. And he was like, you're in my seat. And I said, no, nah, I think I think we're good. And he walked away because he nice. was just trying to test me. Now, another kid, the like like two weeks later, he did the same thing too. And the kid responded by like cursing at him. And then he got his ass whooped. Right. So it was just like, I, I think the dude just, the, you can have the attitude of, I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. But Kim didn't do that. She actually, she, she let him win. She let her win. Once you do that, then you're a bitch. You need a calm, measured response. Yeah. But you need a response. Yeah. Cause, cause the dude who, the dude who's got, who's, you know, got that heat isn't just saying, no, fuck you. I don't, I'm not scared of you. You're just like, Mm-mm. no, you don't want to do that, son. Don't worry about it. <laughs> This ain't so, your time. This ain't so, your so, seat. That's what Jack would have done. Jack would have been like, you need to move along. And Jack would have <laughs> just whispered at him. Like, I suggest you find another seat. Exactly. Right? And he's just like, what? And they're so off put by the, wait, what? Oh. The fuck? Oh, it's well, my, it's kind of like uh, you we had a friend. We had a friend who was who was going down for a job interview. She uh she got on a kind of she got on a train that goes through a pretty rough, rough neighborhood of Chicago. Um and she got off at a stop that's in a pretty rough neighborhood because, you know, Google Google Maps said, you know, you get off the train here and you, you walk you walk over to the to where the job interview was. And uh she told us later that she did this and we said, uh say what now? You went you went where? Yeah. And she's like, Yeah, like no one no one messed with you or no one messed with me. We're like, Well, y- yeah, because you probably looked so much like you didn't give a fuck that they were afraid of you. Like Correct. Even anyone who knows that that's a bad area, even if you try to pretend like you don't give a fuck, you're still looking around. Yeah, if you're keeping in the, head if, on a swivel. If you're in the hood and you see a white girl in a pencil skirt walking down the street, just confidently <laughs> going to job interview, you're thinking, "Is that? I don't. Nope. Mm-mm. Don't even. <laughs> that no, is, no, that cause, is cause, Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, right? <laughs> yeah. She will. She is. This is a trap. If right. I even go near her, she is going to whoop my ass. <laughs> like, she's going to kill me, or the cops are coming into the sting operation. There, no. Nobody touched the white girl. Nobody, <laughs> don't, even look, don't even look uh-uh. at her. It's not worth it. No, no, no. <laughs> well, uh, so we get our first tiny clock of the episode. Please take a drink. It is 8.04, and we see, once again, David Palmer is standing on an open, unprotected balcony uh, after being <laughs> shot at. And uh, his chief of staff, Mike Novick, pulls him aside from a very very boring conversation with some dipshits, and he congratulates David on a campaign. He tells him that a Fox News instant poll believes 83% of people approve of how he handled the Dr. Ferragamo situation. And I got to say, 83% of people don't agree on fucking anything. 83% of Americans would not agree with the statement, reptile people from the fourth dimension run the the world. (laughs) Or don't run the world. Sorry, I apologize. What I found funnier, I'm sorry, right? I know it was, I know it was still like pre 9-11, but this is still Fox, a Fox News poll. 35% 35% of people would have told him to fuck off because it was black. So there's no way in hell he got near that number. Like, it doesn't matter what he said. It's like, wait, who said it? The black? He's wrong. He did, he did so that's, wrong. this is one of the, this is one of the first instances on 24, which aired on Fox, obviously. I get it. That yeah. like, they have to cite Fox News as like a source of like reputable as like journalism. a legitimate news source. Oh, that's great. I'm going to enjoy that. Was Fox News that I, bad, though, back back in, like, 2000? Was it still pretty bad? It was still like, here and now. Yeah, because they, I mean, they, they were defending Bush pretty quickly. Um, they got on that train pretty fast. Yeah, mm. they, they weren't what they are, in, like, now, but, like, they, they definitely had that whole, I mean, like, I think Glenn Beck was already there. Um, mm, no, O'Reilly, I, I think. O'Reilly Beck was, still with, Beck was still with, like, CNN or... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. But, um, man, like, I still remember back in the day... 
the how disparate it was between Fox News and then Fox programming. Yeah. Like Fox always had like the really edgy comedies and dramas and stuff and like all the stuff that and was like more for like fi- Fire Island and shit. <laughs> yeah, like there was definitely targeted at like the younger liberal generation. And then Fox News was like 65 and up. Yeah. And what was funny because there's a few times the Simpsons have jabbed at Fox News constantly and Fox News would be like they'll get butthurt mm-hmm. about it for a day and then it goes away because they're like shut the fuck up. They pay the bills around here. You, <laughs> you just bring in fucking gold commercials and old people. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Well, this speaking of goddamn company, I always thought that like CBS, <laughs> CBS programming and Fox News should just go together. They should go together. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Well, well, speaking of old people in gold, David asked if <laughs> they've heard from Ames, the uh, representative of the business cabal that was funding him. And Mike says they're too busy running for cover, but we don't want to get too cocky. But it couldn't have turned out better, which I don't really see how alienating every campaign funder possible is a good thing. But yeah, this uh, is cool. you primary. don't need money for the general. Election. <laughs> this yeah. is primary, bro. You don't need any more money. You have enough. Um, so they cheers. They walk inside and David tells his staff that he's about to make a victory speech. He talks about how today was very difficult for his family, but he wanted to thank everyone for their support. So he makes a toast to Sherry looks on because she told him to do that. And then he says, I want to just give one last order, which will be obeyed with no exceptions. Have sex with a handsome Serbian, dude. Right. <laughs> and then enjoy the the rest of the evening. Um, it's been a really difficult day for my family, but let's party. Well, I no, gotta, no, no, if he, his, his last order for those people who have been through dealing with his shit all day long, right, and have one, it should be go get fucked up, right? Just, let's, right. Get, let's get this party going. Well, it's then, also, I mean, Palmer's drinking some more. Is this like well, his he's, again, he's been drinking all day. Let's not Palmer's forget been, that boozing all day i will i will say so you got to celebrate a big win sure cool yeah, everyone's worked real hard if your boss had almost been assassinated earlier in the day <laughs> he sold his son out to like the cops and the press and you've heard some scuttlebutt around the water cooler that one of your coworkers one slept with and then stabbed the terrorist who tried to kill your boss that's a good point would you be in a party mood because yeah. my head would be on a fucking swivel. I no, don't know but, who to but trust. We still, but we still won, bro? We still won? Fuck yeah. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, I guess you're bulletproof at that point. Plus, yeah, here's it's, the thing. Like, it's like college football. Winning cures everything. And then realize this, because it's just like, you have to look at, and then you look at coworking and you say, guys, this is only going to get worse for the general. We better get fucked up tonight. This is going to be rough. This is going to be a rough year. I mean, I'm definitely <laughs> drinking his booze, but like the next day I am putting in, I'm, I'm sending my resi oh, out yeah. to a couple of people. Yeah, right? the old the old resumes are getting mailed out immediately uh, to everybody I know because we're not winning this fucking thing. Because so. Curtis, not to steal one of your lines, but I would not trust nobody. Like if like one, my coworker is being sexed up by a, a terrorist. My boss is selling out his own kids. Like. You don't know who to trust in that situation. Did they ever, do you think they addressed it off camera? They like had a little, like a little meeting where they're like, by the way, someone's going to have to pick up Elizabeth's duties because uh, she was fucking a terrorist and then she stabbed him in the gut. So So she's she's probably going to be out of commission for a little bit. She's going to Leavenworth. Just a bit. (laughs) We don't know. She might be okay. Pardon, but like at the very least, (laughs) somebody's going to have to, somebody's going to have to pick up her shift. Yeah. Yeah. For a day or two, for sure. Yeah, at least. Um, yeah, so uh, we cut to CTU where George Mason is telling Nina that Division wants an update on the Palmer threat in 30 minutes. And for some reason, their giant Situation Room TV screen is just covered with election results, not 
any sort of tactical information or anything. <laughs> um, but Nina gets a call from Jack and George takes it. And Jack lets him know that the field that they were just chilling in was actually a class three detention center <laughs> where Victor Drazen was being held. Uh, he tells Mason the power is cut and he needs a tactical field team sent now. Um, and George seems to like hesitate for a little too long. Yeah. Yeah. I was, right? I, was I was saying it's time for Mason to show his true colors. Let's see what he's going to going to do here. You know, is he gonna is he gonna come through for Jack, or is he gonna go through the bureaucracy bullshit and get Jack killed? So Jack, Jack just yells at him for a while, and then doesn't even wait for an answer. He's just like, "You decide. I'm out." Peace. Okay, to be fair, if there's a Serbian death squad coming down, and, and like I call one of you guys, and you're like, "We got to go through procedure." I'm like, "Dude, what the fuck?" I'm yelling at you for a bit, just a taste, just <laughs> yeah. just a little bit. Yeah. So Jack basically tells him to fuck procedure, forget division, just make the call right now, and he hangs up. And uh, be me. These are, the, these are the moments that separate Jack from everyone else. Just no rules, just right. Just mm-hmm. murder storm. Um, so Mason struggles for a moment, and then he tells some underling to dispatch a field unit, and then he calls Ryan Chappelle Division. So, you know, he, he's, he makes the call and then, you know, kind of goes up the chain a little bit. So um, he goes for the old, you know, ask for forgiveness, not permission. Right. And then Nina walks in to ask Mason what's going on, and he like almost just immediately just calls her out for sleeping with a married man and then picking up Tony as a rebound, which Nina's like, hey, that's out of line. He's like, no, you're out of line. <laughs> he gives the yeah. greatest line. He says, yeah, no, you're out of line. Think about it. Michael. Like, what? What is there to think I, about? I need to know if the two actors here were already married when this happened. I feel like this is just an ad lib. He added, no, no, fuck you. <laughs> Think about it. What do you? What does that even mean? And the best part is like he you said he kissed his name last night. <laughs> the best part is he like walks away and like shrugs and just like I'm just trying to be a friend here. Yeah, I'm just trying to be a friend. That's why I said such a shame wasting the best years of your life on a married man and then picking Tony up on the rebound. What's that all about? <laughs> Well, speaking of rebounds, uh, just as Nina's about to shell, yell at Mason, just tell me if he's okay, Terry and Tony walk in, and Nina seems either surprised or disheartened to see Terry. I couldn't really parse yeah. her facial uh, expression here, but she says, Terry, thank God you're okay. Yeah, her, her the way she acts on Terry the rest of the, the, this whole day is weird, right? Like, like, she should feel guilty. That should be the look she gets, because she knows that, now Terry knows that her and Jack have been fucking... Mm-hmm. But she seems apprehensive or just nervous, and it's, it's really weird. So I don't know. I don't know. It's- well, the last time she was around Terry, Terry did dress her down pretty good. Yeah. About but, the Jack situation. But for the rest of this episode and uh, a little bit of the next one uh, that I've watched so far, um, Terry does treat Nina as like her only lifeline, though. Um, like, you know, Nina is the only person she really knows. Like, Tony saved her life, but she knows Nina regardless of, uh, you know, what happened. And let's not forget that Nina now knows because of Tony that Terry has a a possible lover in the old Mm -hmm. doctor there, right? That's true. So she has something on her to say, you can't judge me, but still she's acting just a tad bit strange. I don't know about, (sighs) I want to trust Nina. Yeah. But guess what? Guess what, guys? I don't trust nobody. Everyone sees he was acting strange. Like Terry, Terry's just allowed to just wander around CTU. Like she works there. Yeah, we'll find out later. Uh, Mason puts his uh, assistant Rebecca to work, keeping Terry away from him. And Rebecca she does a do a dude good job. She does a bad job. But um, is Rebecca so- is Rebecca her assi- his assistant, or is Rebecca just someone who works at that CTU office and 
he has determined to, to make him make her. <laughs> it must, he, it he's must not, be that because he does not office, work in that office. Right? Yeah, it so, must be Jack's assistant. Would be my assumption. Then why couldn't Maybe. why couldn't Rebecca bring the binder full of full of dart gun? <laughs> <laughs> well, so somebody needs the dart gun, Terry, and put her back in the conference room. <laughs> So, so people can do their goddamn jobs. Speaking of conference rooms, Nita leads Terry to a conference room to take Terry's story again, which uh, Terry just understandably freaks out about. And so she just wants to know what's going on with her family. She wants to know about Kim. She wants to know about Jack. Um, so I just want to know what's going on with my family. And one part of her family, at least, is leading a classified prisoner through a secret underground bunker with Lou Diamond Phillips. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get a tiny clock. It is 8.08. Please take a drink. Um, Jack is leading his squad of jailers through a this massive facility. Um, he has Victor Drazen in front of him. Uh, he tells Drazen to stand against the door, and Lou Diamond Phillips asks two guys named Lawrence and Ray for updates on what's happening, but he gets radio silence. Um, so... I think we can go ahead and pour one out for Lawrence and Ray, who simply oh, yeah. simply by being named are spared the shame of me and humiliation of being listed as merely Department of Defense staff on the 24th so, Death wait, Wiki no, page. Here's my Larry, Larry did. Here's here, here my question. Here's my question for y'all. They're going down this hallway, and originally there were three guards in the prison who were DOD, and then there was a handman and, yep. and a janitor. And two techs. Yes. Two now, techs, yep. Now, as they're moving down the hallway, mm-hmm. there's... There's still three defense dudes and Lou Diamond Phillips. Yep. So did are Lawrence and Ray the handyman and janitor? I assume that Lawrence and Ray are the are the actual guards, and then they just dressed up handyman to uh to I would hold I gotta tell you it, I would be pissed if I was one of the, the handyman or the two techs. Like if I was Lawrence and just like the janitor on duty, I was like, okay, bud, you're gonna stay in this hallway and wait with a gun. <laughs> That's like being the fucking goat in Jurassic Park for the T-Rex. So maybe maybe Larry and Ray Ray aren't dead. Maybe they just peaced out. They're like, hey, you're going to guard this hallway. And he's like, nah, I don't get paid for this. You can guard my dick because I'm yeah. just going to fuck out. That's totally me. They went that way. Are we good? I, yeah. I didn't do I, don't, I ain't seen shit. I don't know shit. I ain't going to do shit. All right, I'm out. Do you need some help? Yeah, Lawrence and Ray are both listed on the official death count uh, page, but... um. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, we never see them die. I think at least Rayburn got away. I hope so. I hope he's chilling with Rayburn. Fucking Rayburn. Um, so <laughs> LDP tells Jack that the flood egress is to the right outside the door, and Jack tells Victor to open the door slowly and roll out into the middle of the hallway. Um, Lou Diamond Phillips tries to radio Lawrence again, gets no response, um, and he realizes they're dead. He tries to get tough with Drazen, who just like doesn't care. Um, and for some reason, Jack asked Lou Diamond Phillips what area of the prison is most defensible. Like, they're just going to hole up and not leave it. Um, and it feels like the most defensible part of the would prison should have been the secret door that right. they get blew up well, immediately. It would be one of the prison cells, which is where you're not near anymore. You're not in the prison. Anymore. You've, you've moved on to the service tunnels, so not there. Yeah, you yeah, did and then that. He's like, we need to get out of this tunnel. We need to move. He's like, but y- you just told him to lead you into the tunnel, and then you didn't. You stopped in the middle of the tunnel and didn't try to go any further. So as they're stopped, what happens? The, the wall explodes, but no one goes in after it, which is kind of weird because normally if you like breach a wall, like you you You're come coming in through in it right after. Um, yeah, so no. 
as the wall explodes and they fall back, retreat uh, backward deeper into the uh, facility away from the exit, uh, we cut to commercial at 8.10. We come back at 8.15. Uh, we see a split screen of Kim in her cell. We see David drinking more champagne. Good Lord, this guy just should be hammered. <laughs> and we cut to CTU where Mason is on the phone saying he's been trying to get a hold of Chappelle for 10 minutes. Um, and the guy he's talking to on the phone, presumably at Division, just asks how important it is. And uh, Mason just says... <laughs> Well, I've already sent a tactical unit to a secret DOD prison, so I'd like some semblance of command. Um, and as he's saying this, who the fuck just walks into his office? Oh, Terry. Terry. She just, just <laughs> waltzes into the director of CTU's office. No big deal. No one's stopping her. Yeah. So, basically... She's really demanding in this. Like, tell me what's going on. It's like, you don't have clearance just because you're in this room. You yeah. don't work for CTU. Like, like, you just remembered who you were like 40 minutes ago. <laughs> Maybe calm down a taste, all right? <laughs> so she says she needs to know what's going on with Kim. And he says, well, I'm sure she's safe. The bad guys are looking for Kim. Yovan asked where she was. That means they're looking for it, too. As time passes, it only gets harder for them and easier for us. There's only a few of them where we can cover the whole city. And I got to <laughs> say, the current good guy, bad guy KD ratio uh, is a bit concerning on to Mason's point. Uh, yeah, I mean, it makes logical sense if you've never seen the other 20 episodes of the show. Right. But if you hadn't seen it, you'd be like, yeah, that he makes really good sense here. I, I realized something, though, um, when he said that I'm sure Kim is safe about this show as we go on to the seasons here. I'm I'm 100 percent certain that. Kim Bauer is never safe, um, but she will always be alive. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she's a Highlander. Like, she never, she never is not in danger of dying, mm-hmm. but she cannot die. Uh, At any one point, if someone says, I'm sure Kim is safe for the rest of this show, <laughs> you can almost goddamn guarantee Kim is in some God sort safe. of mortal yeah, you, peril. You take it, yeah. take a drink at that point because there's, there's no chance that she's not in, in danger. Yeah. Sitting, sitting um, in her goddamn room with a pencil is is dangerous for Kim. So That's yeah. true. So, uh, you know, he gets Terry to come down a little bit. He says, I want you to know Jack is extremely important to all of us here, and nobody's going to rest easy until your daughter is back with you safe and sound. Um, do you guys think Mason is playing this straight? Like, he almost seems like a stand-up dude who's just been backed into a corner by Jack, but I just I can't tell. I'm liking Mason too much right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't like it. I don't like it because yeah. like, he's doing things the right way. Saying the right stuff, doing the like you know, following, doing the right stuff uh, to to for for Jack and for the team, and kind of you know, ruining his own career a little bit with Chappelle. I I feel like Mason's almost like the voice of the he's like the voice of the 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 watcher here. There right? there like, are a few the voice people. Of the audience. There are a few. So so in this episode, Mason and the anti Kim are the voice of the actual viewers. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't trust none of them because I don't mm-hmm. trust nobody. Can't nobody. So uh, Mason, uh, so Terry thanks him. He he kicks her out. He gets a call from Nina, tells him that the team is 15 minutes away, so they'll probably be there in an hour. And uh, Mason tells her that the CTU team is in command, not DOD. Um, so he hangs up and then like immediately calls his assistant, Rebecca, who I have to assume is the mole at this point, um, <laughs> and just says, uh, just keep her out of my face. <laughs> Yeah. So like, I like Mason. Like, he's doing all the right things, helping Jack, right. but like, he can't be fucking And the way he it. says yeah. it, too, he's like, I don't care what you do with her. Just keep her out of my face. So, but here's the thing. In this scene, I, I now realize why Mason is Jack's boss. Cause he actually does, he does the goddamn job of a director. He's on the phone, making the phone call, deciding things, following protocol, getting people in the right locations. Jack's like, what's the problem? I'm on it. 
No, Jack, you're the, <laughs> you stay, you, we, you have agents. You can send people. No, I got it. No, we need you to sit in the goddamn office and make phone calls. Fuck that. I'm, I'm gone. Yeah, Jack <laughs> is a blunt instrument, and I feel like, you know, he's just waving himself around, and, like, George Mason's doing everything he can to make sure that, like, Jack is free to hit everything he possibly mm-hmm. can without hitting, like, a civilian. Yeah, no, <laughs> he's I, trying to point, he's trying to point to his Jack weapon in the right direction. No, I, I, I go back job. to, I go back to the episode where, where Jack hops over the fence and Mason's like, there's fucking, Oh, God damn it, Jack! Just do. Th- a- There's so many easy things you can do. No action. All right, man. You, yeah. you do you. I'm gonna keep moving up the ranks. I'll see you later. Okay. Have fun. So, <laughs> speaking of moving up the ranks, we. Uh, so, in the next step, uh, next scene, we cut to the Palm Ridge HQ where David continues to slam champagne. He walks up to Mike Novick, and David, who has not shown a shred of perception at any point in the show, realizes that his. I, I thought Aide Patty wasn't at the party. He asked Mike about it, and uh, he tells uh, David that she's finishing up David's victory speech. Apparently, Patty's actually the Palmer, yeah, by herself in a side room. Apparently, Patty's actually the Palmer campaign manager. And uh, David hands Mike his drink, and we get a tiny clock, eight seventeen. So, uh, yeah, why does he hand? He's he's like, oh, she's in the other room, and he's like, oh, this. This Take. champagne glass is too heavy for me to Take. carry all the way over. I don't want to look like a lush in front of my campaign <laughs> I think, manager. I think maybe he's a mini Mike Pence, right? Like Mike Pence can't be in the room with a woman alone because they want that Pence D so bad that can't, he can't, can't you know, drink in front of any his, woman other than mother. You know, his wife, who he calls fucking mother. Oh, my God. Oh, needs to be in the room with him with any other woman. So maybe David's like, I can't have a drink in front of all the ladies no. who want this thing. No. So they'll know I'm available. Exactly. Um, so we get tiny clock eight seventeen. Um, he walks into the room where Patty is working on a speech, and he leans uncomfortably close over her shoulder to look at the speech, and she kind of gives him like a little like shy smile over the shoulder, and uh, she uh, she says, "I can't believe you won all eleven primaries. You and your family must be so happy." And uh, David just sighs, and Patty can seems to tell that there's some trouble in paradise, and. Um, David just says it's been a long day. He gives Patty some speech notes and goes to walk out. But before he leaves, what does what does Patty say? Uh, David, I would really like your D all up in and around my P. Yeah, and maybe my M. She's well, sucking, okay. She's sucking up. She's sucking up something. Is fancy. that not what she says? Yeah, go ahead. Cook. Well, it, read, read the lines. That's the that's the, the subtext, obviously. <laughs> um, basically, she says, uh, Senator, there's been something I've been wanting to tell you, but every time I start it, it just seems inappropriate. So now that we're alone in a room together, I thought this was the perfect time. Um, just it's just that um, I wanted to tell you how much I admire you. I don't see many people who stand by their principles the way you do, and. Uh, I believe our country would be a better place with you leading it. And yeah, like I said, she said, I want that D. Yeah, and David just looks like such a smug fuck. He just kind of like <laughs> yeah. smiles and chuckles and then like is a little, he's like, oh, I'm just a little flustered by this wonderful and unexpected compliment. He talks like such a goddamn nerd. <laughs> what a wonderful and great compliment. Yeah. Is David Palmer grinding like on that? you a little bit? They would get a little tired of the old Palmer there? Yeah, she's sucking up to him. She can suck that dick. Um, yeah, I, I realize in this in this scene um, why our boy Billy C had to give that dick away so much. I mean, the man's a genius, right? I saw him. I watched him speak one time. He's a goddamn genius. If you had college age girls telling you this kind of stuff constantly, like in your office, you're going you're going to let them suck that dick if they want to. <laughs> if they want to, though. Oh, oh, if Patty, want Patty to. wants to do more than Pat- suck that dick in the scene. Can you, I mean, what are you going to do? You know, 
Yeah, the young intern. All like, hey, I admire you. I would admire your penis. And one of my orify, as it were. She is the campaign manager. And head speechwriter and Patty only is, speech yeah, writer. She, she's the head speechwriter. The head speechwriter. And then later <laughs> I get it. So really? then later in the next episode, like Patty is apparently involved in like every like everything that David like all of his speeches, everything. It's like, where the fuck was she when he was gonna walk on stage and tell everyone that like, oh yeah, my son murdered this dude. Whatever, no big deal. Apparently she, was, she wrote the thinking about that dick. Yeah, daydreaming. Well, she did have to take a nap. She's actually shit. So she took a nap earlier. Also, I, I forgot to mention that Jack got a two minute cat nap last episode after he got tasered. So Jack, <laughs> Jack finally slept. <laughs> so speaking he gets of another Jack, cat nap in this episode when he gets knocked the fuck out too. Yeah. So speaking of Jack, uh, we see a helicopter banking over LA. It's the CTU team approaching the prison. Uh, we see a Humvee driving along beneath them. Um, they come up to the secret entrance and see that the door has been blown open and they assume the bad guys are inside so they're preparing to enter the prison we get a tiny clock at 8 20 as jack and his team are walking through the dark hallways of the prisons with their guns up um how many times i feel like we got an inordinate amount of tiny clocks am i am i off base we got like seven tiny clocks this was this yeah there was a lot there's a lot of clocks i can count it for you give me one second um six Seven, a lot of TC eight, right there. damn, eight nine, tiny clocks, nine, tiny, nine clocks. tiny clocks, a lot in an hour. Drink up, buddies. Damn. Also, so Kush, no, you did not mention that the uh, the tag team leader Barnes <laughs> sounds like the female Ed Orgeron. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> you know, just that gravelly, that, just that gravelly fucking voice, just a little bit higher, right? Still, still, a, still lower than what an average man sounds like, but just, <laughs> just, goddamn, yeah. What, what do I do with Bauer? We're what do I do, Bauer? We're Bauer. Yeah, <laughs> so Bauer at uh, behind Drazen with a hand on his shoulder and a gun to his kidney, and they're walking through the hallway. But before they make it too far, um, we hear what seemed to be one gunshot, but like five guards die. Um, <laughs> everybody, and, everybody, uh, everybody died. <laughs> Jack wraps his arm around uh, Victor Drazen, puts a gun to his head, and backs himself into a T intersection. Uh, Victor and Andre Drazen yell hello at each other, um, <laughs> and somehow As you do. yeah, somehow he, Jack is surrounded, uh, and they have like a shitty standoff with a, a lot of yelling. And uh, what happens? Well, uh, Andre brings in LDP, and he says, "Drop the gun, Jack, or I'm going to kill this man." And Your LDP, precious Lou Diamond Phillips, LDP is trying to tell him, "Jack, do not do it. Just fucking just." Pop this guy right in the head. Let's just kill everybody we can before we all go down. Jack yells a little bit more and then eventually gives up. Guns up. Guns up. I give up. He gives, give up. gives him a three count. Jack mm-hmm. Jack puts his mm-hmm. hands up. And then, yeah. fuck. I can't even say it. I don't want to talk about it. it. I don't want to talk about it. Fine, I'll do it. I'll ta- I'll burn. Oh, uh, Andre puts one right through LDP's heart. Mm. And he falls to the ground. Uh, the Drazen's hug and smooch. Dennis Hopper asks no, where sexy no, Alexis is. No, no, Fine, pour one out for God a boy. I didn't want to dwell on it, Curtis. It. Lou Diamond Phillips. The Di- middle name Diamond is, is pertinent, God damn it. The man is a jewel. Lou you Diamond, had him. You had him, you had him for maybe total a, full, a, a, a three quarters of an episode. You waste LDP here. Now? I mean, it just shows you the star power of 24 that LDP only worthy of 
45 minutes of screen time. That's never, that's never the case. Never the case. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I, uh, Listen, no one's happy about it, Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can forgive this show uh, for what it's done here. Oh. Kim Bauer alive. Lou Diamond Phillips. LDP dead. I mean, isn't that the, isn't that the state of the world, though? Really, if you think about it. It's, it's a critique of the world it's, as it is. It's that never the ones you wish. Exactly. Lou Diamond the good, Phillips the good people. is a majestic chameleon of an actor. What race is he? You don't know. You don't need All to know. Them. He can be everything. And none of them at the same time. Exactly. He was the rock before the rock. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But handsomer yeah. and funnier. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, when they made Tony Almeida a character, they pictured Lou Diamond Phillips, but he was too busy. <laughs> it's like, nah. Holy got, shit, that's I probably got, true. Yeah, so they, they I got, got 45 minutes. Right. <laughs> so, they could, so they could bring the diamond. The diamond shines too bright when he comes in. It's like, Lou, we're going to need more than 45 minutes. It's like, no, Mm-mm. I do one take, one take only. No, I nail don't. it. I walk the fuck out. No, You'll even- see me. <laughs> You'll see me real time, real time at eight yeah. fifteen, and even, never again. Even, even <laughs> Kiefer, Kiefer told him. Kiefer said, "Guys, if you bring LDP in, it don't it can only be for less. It has to be like less than an episode. Otherwise, the whole season will be about LDP. He yeah. he outshines everything." So, well, uh, in an attempt to outshine LDP, the Drazens after smooching. Oh, Diamond Boy, the pie, and Dennis Hopper asking for sexy electric. Good don't lord, you don't do it. <laughs> All right, I'm done. Dude, we get we get some we get some great accent work. God, Mister David Hopper is, is Dennis. I res- immediately. <laughs> I I respect Dennis Hopper. The man was in Apocalypse Now for Christ's sake. In case you need a bargain, he's a great actor. But this is towards the end of the man's life, and this is maybe the worst accent work I've heard outside of a sci-fi original movie I can think of. We will see, Curtis. <laughs> Is it the worst that you could do? So bad. Like, it's worse than the Chekhov accent from Star Trek. Yeah, like this. so his horrible, nasty, no-good accent, um, he asks where uh, Alexis Drazen is, and Andre says, we have to assume the worst, that he's dead. And Jack grabs a gun and goes to where Jack is sitting with his hands up, puts the gun to his head, and uh, the guards, who are some, for some reason speaking Russian and not Serbian... Thank you. Why is the Serbian Death Squad speaking Russian? I just- yeah. Um, they interrupt before he can shoot Jack to tell him that there are 12 well-armed soldiers outside. And, um, in his horrible accent, Drazen just says, collapse the corridor immediately. And they go off and blow up the tunnel that they're in underground with no escape. And, um, Jack, uh, Drazen stares at Jack and then tells his men that they're taking him as a bargaining chip. And, uh, they put an absolute shit ton of explosives against the ceiling and collapse the tunnel. Real quick, Michael. Now, I made some notes here, but you are also an engineer. Mm-hmm. Why would it be a poor idea to collapse an underground tunnel that you're in without an escape plan? Hey, bud, I'm no engineer. I know why that's no good idea. <laughs> well, it's not even that they collapsed the tunnel. It's that they literally cut off all of the piping that runs underneath the tunnel as well, which I would assume includes some ventil- ventilation and possibly Electricity. Um, water and gas and anything that might, you know, blow up. All kinds of things. All yeah. kinds of th- Just so you folks know, there's there's an air pressure regulation system that happens in the subways that you go to it that to make sure that things don't just collapse because of the amount of air. All the bad stuff that can happen in tunnels, and they just said, "Fuck that, we're gonna do it." I mean, well, to be fair, the guy is a torturing like, warlord, not an engineer. He doesn't know about. They this can shit. run out of air before they. Their plan is to is to torch themselves via via what looks like welding torches out of the tunnel. 
Well, luckily, hey, fire doesn't need oxygen. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, guess what welding torches need to goddamn ignite? <laughs> guess what you need to survive? And you now don't have much of it because you cut it off, cut yourself off from it. It's just, just a little, little science, a little science action for y'all. Jack is looking at Drazen and his gun and says, that was a mistake. Now you're trapped. Drazen just says, Vivil C. And uh, we cut to another Bower in jail, and Kim is staring sadly into space while someone coughs a lot and two women get into a fight because apparently one of them has something that belongs to the other. A brawl breaks out, and one woman rips another woman's shirt off and pulls something out of her bra cup as two other people hold her down. And guys, it appears to be a marijuana cigarette. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, how, how did she get that marijuana cigarette through the through the guards? Upper butt. Yeah. And Kim kind of looks like horrified. <laughs> yeah, probably. Or probably up that butt. <laughs> oh, God. And the other girl just smokes it. She smokes it right away. Oh, she um, doesn't even, like, clean it off or anything. So Kim looks oh. horrified. <laughs> Like she didn't like watch her crush inject her best friend with black tar heroin twelve hours ago. She's very worried about this. Well, she's horrified because she knows it came out of her butt. Now I get it. Now it makes so much more sense. Butt weed's the worst kind. (laughs) Um, And so it's real dank, (laughs) y'all. Marijuana cigar butt. So uh, Kim looks uncomfortable. Melanie sees that and sits down next to her and says, "Maybe when we get out of here, I'll mess you up just like that." And they kind of have like a dumb back and forth and. Kim, Kim goes off, asks, though. Kim just asks, like, what is this about? It's about Rick? And Melanie's like, I don't care about that loser. And Kim, like, defends him again. And Melanie's just, like, acting as the audience's voice. Thanks, right? Like, he kidnaps you, <laughs> almost gets you killed, and you defend him. And, she's like, and Kim just like, uh, he didn't know what he was doing or what he's involved with. And Melanie's just like, yeah, like I said, he's a loser. <laughs> he's a fucking loser. Thank you. God Objectively. Damn, I love the anti-Kim. She is perfect. Mm. Well, the anti-Kim does finally get Kim. Kim lashes out at the anti-Kim because uh, Melanie repeats the line. It's like, you're just daddy's girl. You got everything you want handed to you. And uh, Kim kind of strikes back pretty well here. I, I kind of like that. She Kim- does. But at the same time, it's like, oh, you had like a bad day, Kim. Like right. the people that you're in this room with ha- have had bad lives. Yeah, bad Kim, lives. Gave, Kim gave the best white privilege network broadcast approved <laughs> rant at this one that I've ever heard in my life. I'm like, I'd, I would have looked at her and I would have asked someone next to me, like a black woman, I'd be like, can you slap her? I can't hit a woman. Please slap the shit out of her. She is, the, what just came out of her mouth is, is inane nonsense that had no cursing in it if you were that angry. So get away from me. Right. Like, so it was Kim, the nerdiest. It was the nerdiest bring it on ever. Right. I, so Kim says, you don't know anything about me. Last night I was kidnapped, tied up in the back of a trunk, and then I got to see your friend Dan get shot in the head. You take all the bad luck you've had, bad luck you've had in your whole life. It wouldn't fit into half of what's happened to me in the 24 hours. Bullshit. So messing, okay. messing me no up idea. might not be as easy as you think. She has no, like, this woman still could have been molested by her uncle when she was three years old. Mm-hmm. That's worse than your fucking day, Kim. I really you, wish this scene would have ended with, Anti-Kim just punching her once in the face and Kim just being knocked the fuck out. Or just right in, right in the crotch. Just boom. <laughs> See ya. Also, her whole tough girl act was completely undercut by her shaking like a leaf as soon as she sat back down. Right. Yeah. The worst parts of Kim Day have happened to other people. Janet <laughs> got injected. Janet got heroin injected to her. Janet died. Your mom got hard hard. Nothing happened to you, Kim. 
Like, you're just on the periphery, essentially. I do, I kind of <laughs> wish Kim had just, like, I would have sat and listened for, like, probably another 10 minutes of just Kim rattling off all Listen the other off. shit that just, like, it's like, and then I stepped out in front of a bush and almost got shot by a sniper, and then my car slid off a cliff and it blew up three times, but I was fine. And then a male hooker yelled at me because I walked in on him giving a blowy. And then he told me I was a pretty white girl who had everything handed to her, so, and then he said he was gonna sleep with my dad. <laughs> and then he got beaten up by his pimp <laughs> trying to protect me exactly. again yeah. you know when it comes down to it i guess my day hasn't been that bad yeah. I I guess the reason that everyone else that my day is bad in my mind is because other people keep getting fucked up trying to protect me huh yeah what about whatever this show don't be around kim bauer ever mm-hmm. just don't be right. near her and you'll be fine don't be near bowers in general yeah. but but so, if, if hurricane kim comes your way evacuate y'all okay so <laughs> real fast things. Two things uh, before we cut to the commercial break here. Um, so before Melody can bring it, a cop walks over and bangs her nightstick on the bars and they go sit down. Like the guards couldn't be asked to do anything about the brawl, but two skinny white girls yelling at each other. Then now shit's got to quiet down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they sit down and then Melanie looks down at her looking a little concerned. And then Kim puts this horrifying paw up to her hand. <laughs> her knuckles are just like ripped up and black like a troll's hand she looks horribly what she mangled doing i guess she did almost get blown up but they sh- they focused on her hands when she got almost blown up and they were That's- they were perfectly manicured <laughs> now and now she all- has this horribly mangled troll claw there was a um there was a cut scene where she killed someone with her bare hands oh there must have been as part of the brawl she looks like she's been punching tar, like concrete and tar, for half an hour. It's it was very a rocky bad. montage scene I mean, where she just punched meat. It looked like she, no, she looked like fucking Liam Neeson from The Gray with the airplane bottles strapped to his hands. It looked like she had glass embedded in her in her. I mean, in her it'll claws. all rep- it'll all repair itself. The Kim <laughs> the, the Kim Lander is unstoppable. If you don't cut her head off, she can just repair herself. Not a problem. That's true. Uh, so it's 8.24. We cut back. We come back from commercial. It's at 8.29. At the secret prison, the Serbian commandos are beginning to cut their way out through a wall with a big torch. Still underground. Um, and uh, uh, You think I'm a monster for yeah, so, revenge on Zewife and Zodja. <laughs> for that incomprehensible mess of gruel <laughs> that Michael just spoke through. Um, so sp- as sparks fly down the hallway, we get a really nice silhouette of a man holding an AK-47 about two inches from Jack's head. And Victor Drazen says, Michael, you want to take it one more time from the top? <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm a monster for wanting revenge. Or for, sorry, for wanting revenge on your wife and your daughter. As well as you. Um... <laughs> And so, Jack says, you were a monster long before you ever heard of me. And Drazen says, oh, I see you consider yourself informed. You've read magazines. You've studied intelligence reports filed by people who tell their superiors only what they want to hear. And you have the audacity to judge me. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Well, so here's what I, I, I thought here. I was like, oh, there could be a deep story here, which will never be explored. Right? They're, <laughs> they're setting up Drazen to be maybe a scapegoat or someone who wasn't as bad as he already says he is, but neither. No, like the, the kind of spear defense from the, the Nuremberg trials of Nazis. Not This guy just was doing his job. They will never explore this. They will make him no. into a monster as he's supposed to be. I know the that. The thing is, though, I feel like if you're even, like, tangentially, like, related, <laughs> or, like, someone said you were the number two of, it, like, an ethnic cleansing campaign, like, you did some bad shit to get to, to sure. that. Like, 
we've killed a lot of number twos of Al-Qaeda. Three of them are probably weren't the number twos. People were just like, that dude's in charge now. Just well, kill but, him. So, I mean, uh, here's the man. thing. I, I think it I think it highlights, though, like the mentality of people who are, are in that position where he's like, I'm not a monster. I'm basically I'm just I'm doing what needs to be done to further my goals, whatever those are. So Even if they're monstrous goals to him, he's just he's just he's just doing a thing. I mean, no so him and Jack are opposite sides of the same coin. Right. Right. They're just blunt instruments. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's actually a good point. So Jack asks Victor, when does your suffering end? Once you've killed me and Palmer and all your thousands of other enemies. Um, and Jack just said, or Drazen says, yes, simple, is it not? <laughs> and Jack says, you're insane. It's a psychotic fantasy. A fantasy which is coming closer and closer to a reality. <laughs> um, a fantasy. So every, it's just it, every time he woke, it took me out of the scene. Like, I'm yeah. just like, oh my God. It's why such is this a so horrible, bad? no good accent. It's very bad. But so as Jack says that, um, Drazen is in the grips of a psychotic fantasy, Drazen looks at the commando next to him. He runs forward and hits Jack very hard in the tummy with his gun. Jack gets the wind knocked out of him and slides down the I wall. I think he hit him in the dick. Let's be honest. Okay. Yeah, you're probably right. Too many so dick hits at, in this show. As he does this, Andre Drazen walks up with a phone, and it's George Mason who informs Drazen that they do not negotiate with terrorists, but I'll listen to your concerns <laughs> just so I can not negotiate with you about them. And um, Mason looks rough, too. Mason's looking like he's been – yeah, he's having a rough day. Yeah. Um, but uh, so Drazen asks Mason if he wants to see Jack Bauer a lot, uh, again, and he says, oh, how do I know he's alive? So Drazen puts him on the phone, and – Jack, one, sounds like he's dying, and then two, does, like, the hero thing and tells Mason that there are six of them, and they have automatic weapons, and then he gets kicked a lot. And um, <laughs> Mason says he'll speak to his superiors and get back to him. So Mason hangs up and lets Nina and Tony know what's up, and Tony goes to share that info with the tactical team. And as Nina pulls up a schematic of the prison, we get a tiny clock at 831. Please take a drink. Nina asks Mason how Jack sounds, so he just says, Alive. <laughs> <laughs> and Mason says, this is going to be a long, drawn-out process, but I bet it'll be done in less than an hour. <laughs> oh, Mason. Just so you guys know, so just don't don't forget that Mason's only had one nap during this whole show, and it was kind of a forced nap. He didn't really choose to go to sleep. But it was like a good... To be like fair, though, deep nap. the 30 minutes of sleep he got was more than anyone else. Yeah. Not so. Keith. Keith was out for a while. Uh, Keith took it pretty hard. Yeah, Keith and Patty have napped pretty good. Everyone in the Palmer, the Palmer campaign seems pretty rested. In the Secret Service, they seem they they're they're knocking out for a while. Looks like yeah, I mean they're sleeping on the job though. That doesn't count. <laughs> he he tells Nina is like he can I can put someone who's less emotionally involved on the case if you want, which seems like an odd way to ask someone if she can handle working on the case. Um, but she says I can do my job, and he nods and walks over to tell Tony. Um, or oh, sorry. He nods and walks over to Tony, who tells him that he still hasn't heard from Chappelle, and he just says, unbelievable. I hope that bastard doesn't plan on blaming me if things go wrong. Um, Spoiler alert. Yeah. And so he <laughs> runs back up to his office, and Tony and Nina share a sad look. And, like, again, like, Mason just seems like he's trying to cover his ass, but also try to do the right thing. I just, I don't know. So we cut back to the, the jail where the ladies of the the uh, holding cell are passing around the joint smoking. And uh, because that's what you do in a holding cell. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like one, where do they get 
a lighter like what, how the, obviously the joint <laughs> came in the, the joint <laughs> came in at someone's butt did the lighter come in a butt it came in a butt too yeah, yeah. yeah okay <laughs> so the prisoner who beat up the lady with the joint and took it from her runs over to melanie and tells her to take the joint when she doesn't she just throws it on her lap and then runs away and then tells the guard that melanie was smoking the pot <laughs> um so as a as a father of two kids uh, it, that's literally the worst idea. You're an adult. Like, if you tell me, if, if I ask who smoked the pot, and the first person you, to open their mouth points to someone else and says it was her, it's, okay, well, it was you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not stupid. Thanks, bro. Well, this guard is pretty stupid, so yep. she just decides that Melanie was smoking the weed and pulls her well, out. Well, she also says, she says, who's smoking the pot? And then they walk in, and she sees the joint, and she says, give it to me. And she and makes she her bring it to her, and then she it. smells it, and she's like, mm, yeah, you're coming with me. It was like, you already <laughs> knew it was pot. Why did you have to wait till the joint was handed to you? You literally just said, who's smoking the pot? <laughs> mm, totes weed. I heard it was weed. <laughs> you gotta sniff it up close to really know, though. <laughs> like if someone, like, see, you picture someone who's, like, never, never had or anybody anywhere near cocaine doing, seeing the movie thing and being like, yeah, I'm gonna put this on my gums. <laughs> so what, is, what well, happens now, y'all? Is that is it supposed to be? Is it supposed to feel weird? Okay, yeah, it's coke. You're, you're it's you're, definitely you're mine, not. You're it's that's, not powdered sugar. <laughs> I know that much. It doesn't uh, taste like candy. Uh, we're good. Yep, heroin. You're 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 caught. You're caught now. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> definitely. Meth. Um. So as the guard brings Melanie out of the cell to go to like more jail, more I guess. <laughs> Like, She's going to the max holding cell. You're going which, with me. You're already in a holding cell. I'm going to take you to the special holding cell. <laughs> real jail. Drugs. Before they can leave, Kim pipes up and says that Melanie was telling the truth and that it was the other other inmate. <sighs> and uh, that inmate just immediately rushes at Kim and tries to fight her. So No, she says, don't make a liar out of me, Blondie. No and need. She says, you are no one. Need, you are one. Yeah. Night of a thousand comebacks. Oh, my God. In, in 40 minutes, Kim has, has shown that she's a punk and snitched while mm-hmm. in prison. She'd be dead. She'd be stabbed almost immediately. Like, you breaking all the rules. We can't have I you think here. The, I think the cop might stab her just for yeah, that. Yeah. It's like, like, did you just snitch? On. You snitch. You, get, you know what happens when you snitch. You gotta get these, snitch. Got, these stitches got to happen. Mm-hmm. Someone's gonna make sure that you occur because that's them's the rules. She should have got shanked by yeah, you're right. They should have been like the shank from the outside the bars. Like <laughs> I ain't seen nothing. Who who? And and then she they should have the shank to Melanie. <laughs> like you did it. You, <laughs> you, you, so, you did it. Well, shank. unbeknownst to the cop or this uh, mean angry inmate the who gets smells pulled. the shank just to make yeah. sure it's the shank. <laughs> God. Well, unbeknownst to anyone, yeah, it smells uh, like a shank. That's the shank Jesus. smell. <laughs> smells like Shiv. She's caught. <laughs> <laughs> quick, quick, quick brain teaser, Kush. Do you get shanked with a shiv or shiv with a shank? Trick question. It was an ice stacker the whole time. <laughs> You'll never find it. <laughs> so they pull the mean, angry lady out of the cell, leaving Melanie and Kim standing next to each other. But before the guards leave, Melanie stops one of them and says, Hey, I want to talk to the cop who busted me. I think his name was Krugman. I want to change my story. Mm-hmm. So they take Melanie out of the cell, and we cut back to Jack, who is lying in the fetal position. Still, minutes later, uh, we get a tiny clock that's eight thirty-four. Um, Jack starts reminiscing with Victor Drazen about his fun trip to Kosovo two years ago. Um, and Vacation uh, photos. Uh, Jack says you were using a body double to walk into the building they blew up. 
Victor says, a common technique. I'm surprised your people were fooled by it. <laughs> um, and Jack says, that's not my point, Victor. You using a double and then going back into a building where you knew your family was put there and put them in danger. You're responsible for their deaths. So Victor says, yeah, maybe that's true. They came back earlier than I was expecting, but I should have been more careful. And Actually, he said of, he said they came back earlier. Earlier. Yeah. Earlier. <laughs> Good call. Yep. And uh, speaking of being careful, what happens next? Jack, uh, gets a little, gets a little shot in. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little disappointed though, cause he takes him down, he takes the gun, and then immediately gets punched in the face. So he, yeah. he kicks, he kicks Victor in the leg, takes him down, grabs his gun, he puts the gun on, onto his head. We're like, oh, sweet. Jack's then, about to do some shit. And then Andre clubs him over Out the head. Out of nowhere. Like, yeah. Andre, who's just like the pencil pusher who is like cosplaying as a commando. Right. Like, clubs him over the head. And, like, so, like, I guess Jack was playing possum this whole time, like, really acting out, like, you know, but, because he's been punched in the stomach one time. He shouldn't be, like, but he's acting like he's on death's door. Yeah, um, I'm disappointed by Jack in this scene, guys. I thought, from the Jack Bauer I've heard about, he would have taken Victor down, put one in the, one in the temple. One in the temple, yeah. And then, and then, and then pointed to Andre and put three all and up then, his torso. And then killed the then killed the blowtorch guy with the blowtorch. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. And then the last and then the last three and a half hours would have been just him telling everyone at CTU how how he killed everybody. That's fine because you know what? As he drinks out of Victor Drayson's skull, <laughs> <laughs> Liam Neeson's would have killed everybody in that 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 tunnel. Uh, uh, yeah, by hour two. Yeah, and then mm. saved Lou Diamond Phillips. That's what Liam Neeson's would have done. So yeah. you need to be better, Jack. Liam Neeson's though. Mm. Um. So. Uh, yeah, Jack kind of beefs it here. Um, so Victor kind of stands up and says, over the last few years, I've accepted my share of the responsibility for the death of my family. This is the day you accept your share. And then he tells Andre to make sure Jack doesn't die. And Andre just starts kicking the absolute Aww. shit out of Jack as oh, we cut no. to commercial. Little baby kicks. Little, yeah. Little, door- little adorable kicks. He's well, wearing, he's wearing I mean, steel-toed boots, though, so yeah. I mean, it'll hurt. It'll, it's not going to tickle, hey, that's for sure. Hey, hey, Kush, can you do something for me for this next scene? Yeah. Do you have the dialogue? Uh, that, that occurs in the next scene, just written down. I know you do minute by minute for the most part, buddy, and you're pretty good at it. I have a lot of it. This one, I I, I got very tired of it. Okay. Of this one. To, so to, I, start, I, to start it off, I, I just need, can you just read, just read the dialogue pieces. Don't mention the scene. Just read <laughs> off what is said by the characters in order, and I want y'all to tell me what, what this sounds like. Okay, I have a little bit. Go um, for it. So, so I, you don't, I don't, no context. Mm-mm. Okay, so we come back from commercial. It's eight forty-one. Um, I, I missed a little bit of stuff here, but so, uh, I'll, I'll, start, so, so David I'll start off right here. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Come. Is this what you wanted? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Much better. <laughs> I feel bad. This day has been tainted for you. <laughs> Don't feel bad for me. It's Keith and Nicole who've been suffering. Excuse me for saying this, but you do that too much. You worry about everybody else. You take care of everybody else. Who takes care of you? <laughs> what does that sound like, y'all? That's a porn, <laughs> yo. <laughs> well, you forgot the part where she says, did you want to be alone? <laughs> he says, no, you can work in here. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on something. <laughs> oh. What you wanted? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do not want to hear David Palmer have sex because the way he is responding to this <laughs> shitty massage. 
<laughs> yeah, so that so David so yeah, so sorry, so go ahead David, go to the scene. Go to the yeah, so scene. as as Patty walks in, David is like sitting on a couch going through some papers. He's giving himself like a little shoulder rub, which is like the first time he's done that. Like he's never shown any sign of like shoulder stress during this whole thing. <laughs> um so we hear that his opponent, Hodges, is not going down without a fight. Patty walks in with some files and um Hodges lost all 11 fucking primaries on Super Tuesday. Yeah, you went down without a fight. Um, pretty badly. Um, and so, yeah, then they, they go through that whole thing. Patty gives him files. She sits down to work on a laptop, kind of. And this whole time, David is like, so after Patty asks, like, well, who takes care of you? David, first, I'm like, what? <laughs> Everyone. So David says, Oh, well, you all take care of me. She's like, well, we all want to. The planning schedules and writing speeches isn't taking care of someone. And the whole time he's kind of rubbing out a knot in his shoulder. So Patty steps up behind him and like starts also, giving him a shoulder rub. David taking care of the entire time? Himself Literally no himself. one. Just himself. He's no, a self-serving who asshole. Who is he taking care of? Sherry takes care of everybody. But David takes care of nobody. But Sherry can't mm. be trusted. Oh, Fuck I mean, you, he did kind of take care of those two thugs with the baseball bat by giving them a life lesson <laughs> about how they should get off the streets and be productive members of society. I guess he technically society. took care of Keith, too, because Keith is going to go to jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's a, a different meaning of take care of. <laughs> yeah, he took care of Maureen Kingsley, Kingsley's career because she's done. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Ferragamo. Yeah. Right? And in a roundabout way, he did take care of Dr. Ferragamo because yeah, if he true. just had let it go, Ferragamo wouldn't have died. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's true. I take it back. He's taken care of a lot of people. He kind of took care of Bob Ellis. Because <laughs> Ellis wouldn't have died if they hadn't called him. So. That's true. He gets shit done. Yeah, guy's pretty efficient, really. He took care um, of Victor Jason's family. That's for sure. Oh. <laughs> so, Patty steps up behind him and starts giving him a shoulder rub. And, like, he... That does feel good. Yeah. The, yeah. When he goes below a smooth middle seat, does that count as a drink, too? Because <laughs> I think went, so, yeah. There, but I, I, I think it's a shot, actually. <laughs> um, so, after about 20 seconds, he grabs her hand and tells her he appreciates it. But if I get too comfortable, I may not get off this couch. But um, I will get off on this couch. That's, that's boom, a boom, porn boom. line. It's a porn setup line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, she, all she had to say was, no one actually got this couch. That's how it needs to work right there. So she nods and leaves as we get a tiny clock at 8.44. David smiles a bit to himself. Like, I couldn't tell if it was just like he, like, appreciated, like, the attraction. No. Or no, just like he was like, that he was, was just a, a good employee. Be like, Or, or, or was, like, he was proud of himself for pulling yeah, a He was full of hot, himself that she, wanted, young that she wanted that D, right? He's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, of course she wants that D. Look at me. So we cut to CTU where Nina gets a call for, from Chappelle for George Mason. And um, Chappelle says, I've been getting reamed by the DOD and the Pentagon. And I think I've managed to untangle the mess you've made, which surprises Mason. Uh, he doesn't understand what mess. And uh, he says, you should have kept Bauer on a tighter leash, a lot tighter. And he says, Mason just responds, look, I'm not in love with the guy either, but he delivers. Let's face it, Ryan, if, if it wasn't for Jack, Drazen would have escaped, which would have been pretty embarrassing for some high-ranking officials, unless I'm mistaken. And uh, Chappelle tells him that he's very mistaken. <laughs> uh, beg your pardon? Uh, what? Mm-hmm. Um, which, so, doodles. he just says, think about it. Drazen wasn't officially a prisoner, so he couldn't officially escape which I'm not sure that's how this works. Because, like, if someone escapes after trying to kill a presidential candidate and blowing up a plane with 400 people on it, I don't think that's a non-event, like mm-hmm. like Chappelle says it no, would be. it's not a non-event. Here's the thing. Okay, we get it. You, so he wasn't a prisoner before. So is it better for the counterterrorism unit that a war criminal is in the country 
people with a limited amount of cash and able to commit crimes and, and terrorism, or that you lost a prisoner, or you were going after a prisoner and killed him in an attempt to escape. Pretty oh sure boy, we got, we got egg on our face. That first one's real, real bad. Hey, mm. y'all, we know that we, we had this guy in the U.S. who's untraceable, but whatever. At least he, at least we didn't have him before. <laughs> and let him go. That's that's worse, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They can just be like, we we got him now. We didn't have him before, and we we do have him now. Chappelle just says, yeah, him escaping would have been a non-event. Now we have an assault team out there with all kinds of people in the loop. Soon the cops will get wind of it, and God forbid the press. It's like, what do you think? Like, eventually, some reporter is gonna like. <laughs> Jack's not really an investigative wizard. Some reporter <laughs> would find out. It's like. Okay, someone blew up a plane, tried to kill Palmer. Tracing Okay, there's a secret prisoner. <laughs> like, yeah. like someone would figure this out. It's not complicated. They yeah, Alexis Drazen's already been stabbed and he's at the hospital. Like some somebody's gonna figure this shit out. Yeah, I mean right. I, I figured it out, bro. It's not that hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. Two hours ago. And he's like they're like, we need to end this in, in minutes, not hours. He's like, What are we what about Jack? He's like, Well, no one asked him to go out there. It's like, but you kind of did, though. No, I mean, no one asked Jack. Nina told no, him Jack where it was. Jack did kind of do about it. Yeah, but Jack got the no, really. Jack got the uh, the power grid number and uh, the address in Saugus from the file and just went. Mason tagged along. Just like the only reason Mason even knows where Jack is is because he tagged along with him to the field. Yeah, but they asked him to help them find out about the threat on Palmer, and that was like a very specific and actionable lead that That's they true. didn't have otherwise. That's true. Like, if he didn't go out there, somebody was going to go check out that address. Well, I doubt it. Like, <laughs> it fucking... like, we have this address from this guy who had $50,000. Well, what's it? Eh, probably no big deal. <laughs> probably nothing. Um, Is there an in-out burger near that location? I'm good, bro. I'm not going out there. <laughs> okay. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm real hungry. hungry. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they hang up, and Mason uh, tells Nina that he's going to order a, a full assault in five minutes, and uh, he apologizes to her, and she looks kind of heartbroken. And uh, we get a tiny clock. I believe our seventh, eighth of the episode, Jeez, eighth so of the episode. Uh, please take a drink. So we cut to Terry in a very messy conference room. She gets an intercom call from Tony, who says that they have found Kim at a lo- local precinct, and they're bringing her over now. So I guess the anti-Kim came through. As Terry asks to talk to her, Tony says, we can't do it now, but we'll patch her soon as soon as we can. And Terry hangs up and Nina walks in and Terry tells her the good news about Kim and then tells Terry about Jack being captured by the same people that took her and Kim. Mm-hmm. Um, Terry doesn't take it very, very well. Um, but Nina says, I know Jack. Hey, oh, hey, and I know he'll get out of this, but I knew you'd want to be told. So like, he also is going to get in it and out of it again. And then back into it. And um, definitely back into it. So Nina just, I knew you'd want to be told, um, which that's eh, kind of like a stand-up thing for Nina to do. But uh, they kind of hold each other's hey, hands. Terry, and then, by the way, we're totes going to kill Jack, just so you know. Well, yeah, it's like Kim's okay. Um, Jack, yeah. Jack, Jack dead, though. He, yeah. probably, he probably real dead. You know, <laughs> but he Jack. Well, maybe, maybe yeah. not dead. Yeah, probably dead. Probably. Maybe, maybe not so yet. at the prison, right before we cut to commercial, the CTU assault team enters the prison staircase. Uh, basically, Mason tells them to get Drazen and rescue Jack if they can. But Drazen is the target. So they blow a hole in the wall and run into the prison. We come back from commercial. It is now 853. For some reason, Kim is still in the holding cell. Uh, she has not been released uh, like Tony believed. Um, everyone is looking at her like they want to beat her ass, which 
Curtis, to your point. Yeah. <laughs> She'd been snitching. Um, then all, all of a sudden, Krugman walks over with Melanie and tells Kim that they're releasing her after he talked to CTU. Um, and he apparently he only called the number that Kim gave him after Melanie changed her story. Um, so he walks her out, tells Kim that uh, her mom is at CTU. And he says, I'm going to drive you over there myself, no. which means no. he's 100% yeah, dead. Don't, yeah, don't. But, why, but why is he doing that? Like, why is he driving? Like, he just was involved in a drug bus. Shouldn't he be working on that? Yeah, man, I'd be like, somebody come get this girl. Don't drive <laughs> Kim Bauer any. Don't be near Kim Bauer. God damn it, Curtis. What? <laughs> what the fuck? What's the issue? I quit, Mr. White. I quit. I quit. I quit. Man, I, t- I timed that perfectly. It's happening right over your left shoulder. I quit, Mr. White. We'll get to why I think this 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 particular movie is pertinent in in a few minutes. But uh <laughs> what? we're not the wonders right now. We're Captain Keach and the Shrimp Shack shooters. The Oneaters, you mean? The Oneaters. <laughs> <laughs> fucking love this movie. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Featuring featuring an that early an early unknown do. almost Charlize Theron. Mm, good point. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's go ahead. Uh so we cut to David Palmer's putting on his suit jacket, which means he's going outside of uh the hotel room. He's walking past the news, which the reporter says Maryland had an eighty percent voter turnout. That's right, eighty percent turnout <laughs> for a primary. I so just like I said, I looked into this. The previous high for Maryland's uh, actually so this last election had a record primary voter turnout for Maryland. It was forty six percent of registered voters. the The highest it had been before that was in nineteen eighty, uh, when forty three percent of Maryland voters cast uh, cast ballots. Um, I don't know why they would make such an outlandish claim and then double down on it. Like the reporter began, like that's right. 80%. Especially about a, a state that really has to hate fucking elections. Like, Maryland well, is, is so that's close. Where, to, that's like, where Palmer's from. I don't that's Palmer's care. home state. But, like, it's not, yeah, no one. Let's, like check Delaware, the Illinois, let's check the Illinois percent of when Obama ran in 08. I bet it was, like, dick. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> for the primary. Yeah, it's not like Delaware would fucking turn out 100% for Joe Biden if he ran. Like, there's three off. people in Delaware. That's not that hard. Yeah, they could have just said 80% and then they could have gotten away with it by like being like 80% of some group or it's like, like a- 80% of our particular county or something. But they're just like, nah, the entire state. 80% of Americans, yeah, don't agree that, that the fucking sun is hot. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous. Like, you can't, we don't do that. We just can't. I mean, it's, it's our DNA. And when you're born in this country, you're just like, no, somebody, most people are stupid. Fuck it. Look, I, I, I really, I mean, I, I get it. They, they really want to like be, Drive home the point that David Palmer is like a transformative, like really cool candidate that people think are gonna is gonna change the fucking planet. But like, one, he sucks, and two, no one votes. What are you talking about? Yeah, their issue is that we had that happen in '08 and still nobody voted. So no, we know it's not gonna happen. More people voted than than previously. What? But not like eighty percent. Nobody votes. People didn't (laughs) vote during the goddamn Civil War. Like people just don't give a shit. We don't care enough. It's like, what? You mean half the country? I don't give a fuck. Okay. Yeah. Do what you want to do. No, thanks. <laughs> um, so as Mike is, sorry, as David walks past the TV, he runs into Mike Novick and Mike asks him to do him a favor. Smile more, which is the first time a male politician has been asked to do that ever. Um, yeah. You're going to be, you're prettier when you smile, you know, give me a little, give me a little smile. 
Just, <laughs> hey, slow bump. Hey, it's hard to smile. Just yeah. give me, just give me, yeah. every day. Just give me, give me a little twirl. Give me a little twirl. You look mm-hmm. good. Um, so Mike tells him to let go for a little bit, and David says, "I can't. This thing with Keith is just beginning, and you've had a front row seat to me and Sherry. You know it's not good." And Mike just sighs and says, basically, just says like, "Once you're in the White House, like if you don't need your marriage, you can fuck off. <laughs> if you need a, if you need a side piece or two. That's yeah. all you, buddy. Yeah, he I mean, just he, says, you can have whatever you want, David. A little, little overreach. What he's saying is, yeah, so he's saying, um, you can tell your wife to get go to hell, and your son can get pardoned. Who gives a fuck? Move, yeah. move, move on, bro. Yeah. So David smiles, and they go off, and uh, we get another tiny clock. It's 8.56. The CTU assault team is walking through some smoky rubble in the prison, securing each sector, and um, they, they go through the whole thing, and then they find a the hole that the... Drazens have cut their way out of. And well, after they twisted the knife about LDP, though, right? One they more find time. they find DeSalvo, Mister mm-hmm. Lou Diamond Phillips, dead. Um, they find the rest of the crew dead, and then they find the exit that has been cut through the wall. It is booby trapped with lasers and bricks of C five explosives. Those dudes play a lot of GoldenEye. <laughs> Uses the proximity mines. They will never get through. Never. So they they tell Mason also it's going to take him out. The CTU, uh, the the SWAT team shows a surprising amount of perception ability to not just walk straight into that booby trap. Michael, to your point that they so before they go into the hole, um, showing the the only sign of foresight. Sorry, <laughs> God, only sign of foresight. Um, one of the the SWAT officers holds a little mirror on a stick mm-hmm. and he sees the explosive uh, in the hole. Um, I think the only reason they did that is because the movie Speed had already come out. And in that movie, Jeff Daniels is always using the extendable mirrors to look for, for bombs. So I think they they couldn't get it. Everyone saw Speed. The whole world saw it. Massive hit. You know that. Um, so I think they couldn't walk into a hole that terrorists had left behind. Actually, fuck. Dennis Hopper was in that movie. They yeah. couldn't follow <laughs> they Dennis. knew it was Dennis Hopper. Yep. They couldn't follow Dennis Hopper into a hole without it being booby-trapped with an explosive. Well, also, don't forget, in the in the fantastic movie, Executive Decision, starring Kurt Russell and Steven Seagal, they used a mirror to cut a laser beam mm. Um, mm. and not have the explosive go off. Yeah. I'm actually surprised they didn't do that in this one. but Because um, it doesn't work. Yeah, but right. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we learn. We the learn. Now, reflect the surface. It hits hits the laser beam. Uh, the explosive goes off. But go ahead. Bo- boom Move in time. Forward. <laughs> um, so the SWAT team tells Mason it's going to take about thirty minutes to disarm the bomb. And as they say that, we cut outside the prison where the Drazens and the Harris Commandos are exiting a sewer pipe with Jack. And Andre says, "Father, we have less than three hours left." As they push Jack to the ground. For what? Why? Yeah, well, I know. Why? Like, you just you just need to. For what's you happening? You want to kill Paul? Like, what is today? I mean, Why they want to kill Palmer. So they got to kill Terry and Kim still, which they seem a little bit out of reach. Um, but as Drazen puts a gun to his head, Jack yells, wait, 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 wait. And Drazen just says, I can offer you one consolation. Your family will be joining you soon. And speaking of family, Jack says, do you want to see your son Alexis again? Because I know where he is. We have him in protective custody. And uh, mm-hmm. Drazen doesn't believe him. Um, but... Uh, Jack says, we have him in custody, which is how I know about his sex rendezvous with Elizabeth Nash at 4.30, which Andre confirms that to be true. And uh, Victor pulls Jack up. They shove him into one of the two red vans they have, the they same kind. They got a discount on red vans. They this had to, right? Red vans and Jaguars. Oh, um, hey, also, why, so Andre calls his father dad? 
Like, between the Russian, the fucking Serbian speaking Russian and him saying dead, like, what the shit is going on with people? I want to understand that foreigners do different things. It should be Faza or nothing. <laughs> it should be something. It's going to turn out that none of them are actually Serbian. They're all just from, like, Montana or something. <laughs> we're, just, we're just goofing. We're, we're bored. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, they shove Jack into one of the two red vans, the same kind that uh, Ira Gaines was using earlier. They close up and drive off into the night. Other than narrative necessity, why not kill Jack here? They have no shortage of spies everywhere. Like, why yeah, not just kill him? I'm so the only reason that certain things are known is because they have moles in CTU. So why the fuck do you need Jack? Right, and it's not yeah, like, like they have trouble they reaching know about Alexis already. Yeah, they should know about Alexis. They have no trouble getting to people in hospitals. Like we cut to uh, a police car leaving the police lot. Kim is in the back seat, and she asks to borrow Sam Krugman's phone. He hands it back to her, and she calls Rick. <laughs> Jk, it's Terry. <laughs> um, but she calls re- Terry at CTU, so she knows the number directly to the conference room that Terry is in. <laughs> yeah, somehow. So they they reminisce about being kidnapped a bunch, and then Terry <laughs> Terry tells Kim that Jack is still working, and Kim says, "I love you," which is this show's most reliable portent of death, and they hang up. <laughs> And uh, we see Palmer going downstairs. We see Jack in the van, and we cut back to the cop car and. Krugman is turned around and apologizing for not believing Kim. And uh, she says, well, I wouldn't have believed me either. And uh, what happens? A van. A red van. Of the red variety. Crashes into the old cop car. Nice little nice little pit maneuver. Just hitting the side. Not full, not full T-bone. Just, just sliding in. That non-full T-bone immediately kills the cop driving the car. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Krugman tries to pull out his weapon. Um, as as men exit the red van and another accompanying black van, a big Ford a- excursion. Yeah, uh, um, they run out, run out, pop Krugman one, and Kim getting kidnapped again. Mm. Which Kim in my Strange. notes, by the way, I wrote so because this is what I wrote. Oh, Kim, you doing that thing you do? <laughs> getting kidnapped by Serbian assassins. That's just what you do. So that's why I had to play this this movie behind me. That thing you do. Which also features a nice appearance by who, Kush? I won't say it. Who's in the movie, Kush? Mr. Tom Hanks. It's produced and directed by Tom Hanks. Thomas Hanks. Oh, boy. <laughs> I like that movie. You ruined it for me. So Kim screams, she fights back, they shoot Krogman, they pull her out of the car, we cut to 8.59, 59 seconds, and they don't, they're not even playing around with Kim, like, they're not even pretending that Kim's not, just exists, <laughs> like, she only exists to be in trouble at this point. Yeah. If Kim is outside of a secure facility, just everyone around her will die, and she will be in trouble. Like, just don't be near Kim Bauer. Ever. I am looking forward to the moment where someone actually pulls a trigger on Kim, and she discovers that she can't be hurt, because right now she's just, she's always scared. She's always in danger because, like, she doesn't know, you know? So she'd be like an idiotic Deadpool? Yeah. Oh, God. Mm. That's the worst. Mm. Because yeah, Kim, no... Kim wouldn't really get that she had power. She'd be like, I don't know why. I just, I get so, God intervenes and I don't die every time someone tries to kill me. No. No, Kim. Yeah. So, okay. So Jack is, Jack is now kidnapped. Kim is now kidnapped. Terry's safe for once. Remembers <laughs> everything. Yeah. Where do, where do we think we go from here? Has have all three of the Bowers been safe at once? At one point in time, after they got out of Gaines's compound, for, they were in, they were in the helicopter, together. right? In the helicopter, in the helicopter first, yeah. first five minutes of the episode when uh, Jack and 
Kim were playing chess and Terry was making coffee in the kitchen. Yeah, um, but but even in the helicopter, Jack wasn't technically safe because he's going. He was going to prison. He was going to prison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so there, really, just the first episode. That's and there it. was already um, a plot. There was already a plot to kill. Terry and Kim I mean, at I mean, the clinic, so technically they to, weren't. No, safe no, either. no. But to be fair, Michael, from what I from what I hear about Jack Bauer, I want to believe this. I haven't seen this this season yet, but it isn't it isn't Jack Bauer that should fear prison. It's that prison that should fear Jack Bauer. So he was always he, Jack Bauer is essentially always safe, even with even with the Drazens right now. He's like they're they're dead. Just when I decide to kill them, <laughs> I need to hear <laughs> their whole plan around for a little bit, and then they'll die. So Jack's he's always like a, safe, right? Terry, he's like a Terry, cat. Terry's safe. Only if she's not around her family, and then Kim's just never safe ever because Kim exists. Do we think uh, Jack's gonna be making some murders happen here in a minute? I feel like it's gonna take a couple hours for murder for Jack. I don't have any faith in Jack to murder right now. Yeah, I mean he seems pretty down and out. Like he's he's he seems like a sad boy. Right. Can't I, catch his breath. He looks like he's been beat up a lot. I think we're gonna see some action and some revelations on uh, Tony and Nina. We're gonna okay. find out some stuff in the next couple of hours about what they're really about, and then who who's, who can do that work, they're real working. And I think uh, Mason might just you know spin off to his own show, just like you know, like he he becomes a he becomes an FBI agent in Virginia, and the show's called you know he has a partner named Dixon. It's perfect, Mason Dixon line. You know, just <laughs> it's flawless, can't be beat. Time time slot winner all day long. That that or he gets sent back into time into slave times, and it's called Master Mason. <laughs> Which you know, I you, I don't know. I just you know, <laughs> in the sequel Freemason, where he he frees everybody. That that was that was gonna be my next season. Coach, why did you step on my feet? I don't understand what. And then there's one where he has a show on the Food Network where he just makes his own preserves. It's called Mason Jars. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Nice. <laughs> well, Michael, what do you, what do you think's coming down the pike for us? Uh well I don't want to give too much away because I I did start watching the next the next episode um but I mean spoiler alert the accent doesn't get any better <laughs> dude I mean shit shit's shit's gonna pop off yeah and then, and then I I can go I'm gonna go out on a limb and say in the next three episodes shit's gonna pop off wow okay bold <laughs> no bold shit. prediction. Bold prediction that by the end of the show, something by the will end pop of, up. By the end of season one, shit's popping off. I'm going to say this for all of our fans, as a true Southerner, this is something that we say. It best, it best pop off, Mike. Well. Otherwise, this show shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love that the show that began with a plane blowing up and 400 people dying, just like, we really want this to fucking pop off. No, that's, that's a mass killing. We need... Up they close blew their load and real fast. fucking personal. I need I you want... to show me that you can murder, you can murder someone face to face. I mean, Mandy's obviously a boss, but we ain't seen Mandy in a while. That's true. I need to hear that Jack can murder a bitch face to face. Yeah. Mm. Well, Curtis, I, I, all I'll say is you'll get your wish. I best. <laughs> I best could. I best. Well, fellas, I think that's gonna do it here for us tonight on the longest days of our lives. Uh, thank you for joining me as always. Um, everyone, if you like this show, you can find out more information about it and past episodes at goodbuddymedia.com. You can also find out more information about a show that Michael and I do called Trends in Low Places, where we break down dumb internet stories and, uh, 
really just make each other laugh. So um, that's called Trends in Low Places. You can find that both of those uh, shows on goodbuddymedia.com slash blog. And uh, if you want to drop us a line and tell us uh, how we're doing or, you know, talk about some uh, interesting fan theory that you have about 24, uh, you can shoot us an email at goodbuddymedia at gmail.com. Uh, we love to hear from you guys. We always uh, check that email. And we respond to everyone who uh, drops us a line. So, um, Curtis, how else can people help us out? Yeah, guys, if you want to, just go ahead and find us on your your podcast app of choice, whether it be iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podcast Addict, no matter what you use to listen to your podcast, uh, subscribe to our shows, both uh, this one and Friends of Low Places. And then when you do that, go ahead and like, review, or comment us, um, and that will help us move up the charts and become a podcast juggernaut to keep bringing this stuff to you guys free of charge uh, and also help Good Buddy kind of grow. Maybe we'll add some new shows in and bring some more stupidity to your daily lives. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at LDoolCast, L-D-O-O-L-Cast, um, or you can search for Longest Days of Our Lives on uh, on Facebook. Um, and as always, the best thing that you can do to help us out is to share and like our posts on Facebook and Twitter, um, you know, retweets, um, and the shares really help us out and kind of give us a little bit extra visibility. and. Get us in front of a lot of people that may not know about us. So um, we appreciate everyone who has been supporting us and sharing everything and, and liking and commenting and stuff. We we love to read the comments on, on iTunes and stuff. I enjoy it a lot. So thank you to everyone who's been helping out. And thank you to all of our new listeners. And we're glad that you're enjoying it. Come. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining us once again for... Uh, Damn, hour 21 of the first season of 24. We are uh, gearing up for the get down. So, uh, guys, thanks again for the joining The witching me. hour. The witching <laughs> hour. 9 p.m. The witching <laughs> hour. 19 hours ago. <laughs> 9 p.m. The late dinner witching hour. <laughs> well, guys, uh, as always, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Uh, fellas, we're running out of time. Doodles. Doodles. <laughs>